following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Have you got your Bibles here tonight? Why don't you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28? And uh, while you're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 28, I do a fair bit of traveling. I go to um, lots of countries in the world to preach and to visit. And um, one of the things that I found that's a pain when you travel is getting the right exchange, getting the right currency. And so how many of you found the same thing? And how many of you hate being ripped off when you go to change your money and you find that there's big differences in how much you get and how much you don't get? And so one of the things that I tend to do is when I leave a country, I think, well, if I'm coming back, I'll keep their money. So I don't have to. Does anybody do that? So I've got all these currencies. And it is just, it's like a collection. So I've got five rupees here. How many of you have never seen what Indian money looks like? Uh, You haven't? Victoria, here you are. Here's five rupees. This is for you. Come, Come and grab it. Victoria, you've got five rupees. There we go. Do you know, you know what, how much that is worth? What you're holding in your hand, that's worth. Matter of fact, if you go to the exchange place, you have to give them money to take that. Because <laughs> uh, this is what I've noticed when I come back, is that, is that um, this money that is very valuable over there is not that valuable here. I remember going into Tunisia. We landed into Tunisia with a friend of mine called Phil Kaladoukas, and he'd had a, an attack, and so he was fainting on the, on the floor there, and it was just, I'm um, trying to pick him up, and wasn't going to give him mouth to mouth for love nor money. He'd have to die. I'd, I'd, I'd pray for him to raise him from the dead and not give him mouth to mouth. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, after everybody's gone through customs, we sort of line up and we had to buy a visa. And problem was that I didn't have any Tunisian dinars to buy the visa. And so I had Australian money and I had uh, American money, but all they would take was euros or Tunisian dinars, and I didn't have any of the two. And so they said, sorry, but you can't come in and get your visa without getting... And I said, well, will you take MasterCard? No, we won't take MasterCard. What do I have to do? They said, well, leave everything here, go through the other side of customs, go through the other side of immigration, find an exchange booth, change your Australian money into dinars, then come all the way through the sterile zone, come into this end so that you can pay to go back out again. I said, okay, if that's the way that it works over here, I did that. And it was just a whole hullabaloo. But the point that I'm making is that they would not accept the money that they accept here in Australia over there because they don't give value to the currency that I give value to in Australia. And so I've got 5,000 rupees here. I've got this when I was in Bali. 5,000 rupees. Adrian, Jeremy, sorry, let let me gift you 5,000. I want to gift you 5,000 rupees. All Victoria got was five rupees, and he's 5,000, mate. 5,000. Have you got any idea how much 5,000 is worth? 
Huh? That's worth 60 cents, mate. <laughs> I've got American dollars here. That used to be worth something, not anymore. And, and, uh, <laughs> but you know what I've got here as well? I've got 50 pounds. You want the 50 pounds? No, no, I'll give it to you. Here's the 50 pounds. Egyptian pounds. <laughs> I love that. That was so cool. <laughs> he sat down pretty quick. You haven't got an idea how much 50 Egyptian pounds is worth. Uh, there we go. Anyway, I, I think I've made the point here that if we want something, we need the right currency to get it. Not only do we need the right currency to get it, we need the right amount of currency to get it. And I really believe that one of the big disappointments that we have in life is when we don't get what we want. How many of you have been disappointed in not getting what you want? And in so many different areas, we understand, well, the reason I'm not getting what I want is because I don't have the currency to buy it. I don't have the right amount of currency to buy it. And you can accept it. But there are so many things in life that require the right currency to get it. And it's not money that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the currency of exchange. And if any of you have ever been in a relationship, you know that money is not necessarily the currency of exchange to have a great relationship, but other things certainly are the currency of exchange. And what we need to do in wisdom is find out what the currency of exchange is in the particular area where we need breakthrough. What is the currency? Because Australian dollars don't work in Tunisia. And here I am, I've got a pocket full of Australian dollars, but I can't get through immigration because I haven't got their currency and I haven't got the right amount of their currency. And so I had to exchange something to get their money to get my breakthrough. And tonight, I just want to continue this series that I've started, Exchange Your Key to Breakthrough, because this is what I know. I know every single person in this auditorium tonight needs a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough somewhere, somehow, you need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your home, you need a breakthrough in your family, you might need a breakthrough in your finances, you might need a breakthrough in relationships. Every single person here needs a breakthrough. And I'm saying to you tonight that the key to your breakthrough is exchange. Find the right currency, the right amount, and you'll get your breakthrough. Tonight, I, I want to share on the currency that God values. Because I really believe that some of our breakthroughs are connected with God and God helping us to break through. Other currencies are about us making the right decision. So, for instance, one of my challenges right now is to get fit. I've already broken the challenge of getting fat. Now it's the challenge of getting fit. How many of you, how many of you are facing that challenge? Now, this is what I've discovered. I've discovered that in getting fit, you've got to make an exchange. How many of you have discovered that? And some, what are some, what's, what's the exchange price of getting fit? How many of you have worked out what the exchange price of getting fit? How many of you know that you can't get fit sitting at home on a lounge watching the television? How many of you know that? You've worked that one out? 
How many of you enjoy that too much? Uh, no. So, so some of you have decided, okay, the exchange price is for me to get out and go for a walk or go for a run. Maybe the exchange price is to stop eating all that fatty food. Maybe the ex- And so what you've discovered very clearly, and someone's told you, if you want to get fit, there's an exchange that you've got to do. Stop being sluggish, stop eating the, right, the wrong food, and start doing more exercise and start eating the right food. And unless you make that exchange, you'll never get fit. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. And with God, how many of you are asking God for a breakthrough somewhere? Well, I want to share with you tonight what I believe is one of the greatest currencies that God respects. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, here it is. God very clearly tells the children of Israel what the currency is that he values. Now, it shall come to pass if, if you've got a pen and you like to mark your Bible, you need to put a big circle around that word if. Because if denotes condition. And he's God saying, I want to make you a promise, but the promise is conditional. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then it begins to share the the blessings of breakthrough that will come their way. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of the ground, the increase of the herds, your cattle. Blessed shall be your basket. Blessed shall be you when you come in. Blessed shall be... And he goes on with blessing after blessing of breakthrough that belong to us on what condition? What's the condition? One word, obedience. I want to present to you today that the greatest currency that will get God's attention in your life is obedience. 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 Obedience is the currency that God observes. And so if you want to get through into Tunisia land, heaven land, God's blessing land, and you're at the visa desk there, and, 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 and God is saying to you, do you want... The land of blessing, well, you've got to pay. What have you got to pay? Here it is, the currency of obedience. And if you've got the right currency of obedience, then come into the land of blessing. But you know, for some of us, obedience is such a hard thing. Can I tell you one of the times in my life where I was disobedient to God? He said, well, now I'm listening. I'll never forget this time. It was about a three-month period of my life that to this day, I would call it still my darkest time of depression and valley experience. I was probably 26 years of age. We just finished two years of amazingly successful ministry up in the northern part of New South Wales. We were 
pioneering a church in Lismore, another one in Ballina, and God was blessing us with people getting saved in the church, flourishing and all sorts of things. And I was at that time one of the youngest senior pastors in Australia, doing incredibly well. And I, I heard in my heart that God was sending me to Sydney. What I didn't hear was when. How many of you know that sometimes you can hear from God and you get a word from God, but then what you've got to get from God is timing. Hello? Everybody say timing. Timing is incredibly important. And so, hey, history has told me I've spent most of my life here in Sydney. So there's no doubt about it that I'd heard from God. What I hadn't heard was, well, Lord, when do you want me to do ministry in Sydney? And that is an important question. And so we'd resigned from northern New South Wales, and, and I'd set my sights to go to Sydney, but none of the doors opened to Sydney. And what had happened was that my home church pastor in Newcastle had asked me to go and start a church in a place called Curry Curry. You sort of Curry Curry, in the Hunter Valley. We're talking now 1986. Back in 1986, no major road went through Curry Curry. Now, a major road just about goes past. But back then, the only people that lived in Curry Curry were interesting people. <laughs> and a whole bunch of bikers. And a whole bunch of people who had their relatives at Maitland Jail. And uh, it was just an interesting place to be. And so when he said, go and plant a church in Curry Curry, I laughed inside. And I said to myself these words, I'm too good for curry curry. And so basically, I just said, oh, look, I haven't heard from God about going and I'm going to go to Sydney. And so he said, oh, well, I just felt to ask you, fine. And so when all the doors shut in Sydney, I then moved in with my parents in Newcastle. And so he's my beautiful wife and I and two children. Christelle wasn't born at that time, Stephen and Daniel. And we were living in the bedroom that I grew up in, in my parents' house in Newcastle, eating their food. And for three months, I went through the darkest period of depression imaginable. I was just, I thought God had left me. I just thought, well, God had used me three years in Adelaide, two years, five years I was used, went to Bible college for three years, used to God five years, and it was all over. And I was totally depressed. Anne loved those three months. She had my mother cooking. She had my mother looking after the kids. She was treated like a queen. And I was depressed. And after about three months of feeling this way, Anne got sick and tired of it. And she says, John, go to the park across the road and stay with God until you get an answer. And don't come home until you've got an answer of what to do next. How many of you like wives that tell you what to do? Phil, what an honest man you are. <laughs> Nobody else was going to lift up their hand. But anyway, so I just went, okay. And so, and so I, I went to the park. It was, it was Jasmine Park. And I still remember just wandering around that park saying, God, why have you left me? God, why, why did you use me for a season? And, 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 and God spoke to me and said, why are you blaming me for your predicament? And then God spoke to me, don't you know that if you obey me, 
I will bless you. And God just broke me because all of a sudden he made me realize that my pride had actually stopped me from listening to him. And I just remember just breaking down in that park. I was by myself, nobody was around, and just, just repenting and saying, God, I am really sorry. You paid such a huge sacrifice for me. And I, I make a decision today that if you want me to clean toilets, I'm prepared to clean toilets. If you want me to be a janitor or a cleaner in the house of God, I'm prepared to do that. And even if you want me to go to Curry Curry, to pastor a church there, I'm willing to, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do that. And I just felt as soon as I came to that place of submission to the will of God, this big weight lifted off my shoulders. And then I knew it was safe to go home and confront Anne. <laughs> you got the fear of God, you got the fear of Anne. They're both sort of similar, okay? And... Um, so I remember going home, and that took quite a few hours. I went home, and as soon as I walked through the door, the phone rang. I hadn't even spoken to Anne. As soon as I walked through the door, the phone rang, and Anne says, Oh, Pastor Paul Wolfen from Hamilton is here. He wants to talk to you. So this is my home church pastor. So I go inside, and, and the phone rings, and Paul's on the other end of the phone, and he says, John, I was really praying about curry curry. And I just, I want to ask you again. Do you want to go to curry curry and plant a church for us? Absolutely. When do you want me to start? He said, what about this Sunday? I said, sure. I, matter of fact, I'll get in, go in the car and see if we can rent a house, rent a hall, and we'll get it started. He says, what happened to you? <laughs> I just didn't tell him. I just had an encounter with God where I got smashed by God and just came to a place of obedience. You know, that next Sunday, we started a meeting, Curry Curry, and we pioneered that church and then pioneered another church in Cessnock. And those next couple of years were absolutely joyous years for us. We actually enjoyed our time in Curry Curry. They weren't as bad as I'd imagine it to be we even made friends with some of the bikers matter of fact i got a message from one of the chapter presidents saying to me that little old lady from your church will you stop her coming to our house trying to share the gospel with us and it was like president to president talking through the uh the the, the, the communicate areas of communication and so i had to say to her hey listen he doesn't want you to go so i'll send Anne, and she'll fix him up big time and, and she did and it was just an amazing time of ministry where we saw people getting saved people getting delivered and people getting set free by by god's grace because we were willing to be obedient I really believe that obedience is God's highest currency. What is God asking you to do? What, what are you bucking about? Because whatever you're bucking about will do you more damage than you can imagine. Your breakthrough will come through the currency of obedience. I really believe with God, obedience is the highest currency. And one unit of obedience is worth more than a thousand units of sacrifice. Because so often we kind of think that sacrifice is what God wants. 
And so, again, you know, this is the amazing thing, that with currency, it's, it's, it's when, you know, you know, I've got this currency here. You know, I've got Egyptian pounds here. I've got 50 Egyptian pounds. But how many of you know that just one Australian dollar is more valued if I go to the shop than 50 Egyptian pounds? Why? Because it's the currency that they're looking for. And what currency is God looking for? He's not looking for the currency of sacrifice, but he is looking for the currency of obedience. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, King Saul found this out. He says, but I'm, I'm here to sacrifice to God. And look at all these sheep that I'm going to sacrifice to God. And the prophet Samuel turned to him and says, God is not interested in your sacrifice, but what he's interested is in your obedience. And here you are trying to put your sacrifice in front of obedience. One unit of obedience is worth more than a thousand units of sacrifice. Jesus said in John 14 verse 15, and Pastor Adrian alluded to, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And this is what Jesus was saying, is that in my love language, how many of you understand love language? Jesus has got a love language. And the love language of Jesus is obedience. And so if you want to show Jesus that you love him, and if you want Jesus to respond to you, the love language that he's interested in is obedience. In Matthew 7, 21, I love, this is a powerful scripture. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father. Now, this, this might shake some people's theology. Because we kind of think, we kind of think that we can work out if someone's got a demon by just asking, say Jesus is Lord. And if they can't say Jesus is Lord, well, then they've got a demon. You know what Jesus is saying here? Even if you can say Jesus is Lord, doesn't mean you'll get to heaven. What? Man, that sort of, that confronts some of our theology. Because this is what Jesus was saying. The entrance into the kingdom of God is not based on what you say, but on what you do. It's based on behavior. Anyone can learn to say Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, became man, died upon the cross on the third day rose. You can teach a parrot to say that. You can teach anybody to say that. You've got people that learn their catechism and they learn to memorize this sort of stuff. And Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in what you can quote. I'm interested in your behavior. I'm interested in you doing the will of the Father. That becomes the currency that God is looking for. How many of you get this? Well, here's a big question for you then, a big question for all of us. What hinders us from obeying? What stops us from obeying? If we understand that obedience is the currency of heaven, and we understand that obedience is the love language that Jesus responds to, well, what stops us from obeying? That's the big question that we've got to ask. Yeah, all of the above. I I really believe that fear of man is probably one of the biggest hindrances Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. 
I, I, I really believe that little kids are almost trained in the fear of man by, by being bullied into particular actions. And, and so there's, there's, this, there's this programming into kids when they're little to say you've got to go with the flow. Because if you don't go with the flow, there's hell to pay. And so you can see little kids, you know, being bullied into doing things they don't want to do. And, 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 and we've, we've almost come into this phrase, oh, they just got involved in the wrong crowd. You know, they're just, they, they, they got influenced by the wrong people. And if you're a good parent, one of the things that you're looking out for is to make sure that your child isn't running with the wrong crowd. You, you, you do everything possible so that your child runs with the right crowd because you know that people have influence on us and one of the things that we've got to be careful of is that we're influenced by the right crowd not the wrong crowd because fear of man and fear of what people think and the pressure of what do people think and I deal with pastors all the time that are controlled by this fear of man you say what even pastors are, I do with pastors all the time that are afraid of the size of their church in case they don't quite make the standard. And so, and so, you know, well, how big is your church and how small is your church and this, that, and the other. And it's the fear of man and the fear of not being accepted and the fear of someone sort of walking away from you because you don't quite reach their expectations. It's a snare. And so I'm amazed at what people do to try to become accepted. I'm amazed at the pressures that people are under to get accepted. I'm, I'm amazed at what people do just to receive the acclamation and affirmation of the significant people in their lives. I'm amazed. I remember when we were pastoring in Adelaide, this is a guy went to jail and he went to jail because he didn't want upset his friends. And so his friends wanted to hold up a milk bar. And they said, listen, we need a driver because once we've held up the milk bar, we want to get away quick. So will you drive for us? Hello? He just couldn't say no to his friends. So he says, well, I don't want to hold up the milk bar, but I'll drive the car for you. And so they went, held up the milk bar and they had a gun with real bullets in it. And all of a sudden, before you know it, the gun went off. The guy in the milk bar gets killed. And this guy, supposed to be his Christian, drives them all off. And uh, with his registration number, clear to everybody. And so he goes home hiding, only to find the police at his door very quickly. Because his, the escape car was his own car. Hello? Something's wrong upstairs he goes to jail why because he couldn't say no to his friends i just understand this that the fear of man the bible says is a snare and i really believe that one of the big hindrances to us obeying god is the fear of man this this fear of becoming worse off is also a snare where we kind of think that if we obey god we'll always get the second rate stuff rather than the first rate stuff that's a lie of the devil I want to say to you that Anne and I have been obeying God, except for that period when I was at my parents' place for three months, but, but all of our lives, and all we've discovered is that God will always make it up to you. 
Don't ever feel that by obeying God you're going to miss out. Because the fear of missing out, I really believe, is, is a great hindrance to people disobeying God. The fear of missing out, of becoming worse off. Well, what about the fear of faith? Just this whole aspect of walking by faith. We'd rather walk in our own strength than the fear of... Because this is what Peter, Peter did. Jesus says, walk on the water. And Peter starts looking at the waves and the wind instead of just obeying God. We get sidetracked. By, 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 by fear. We get sidetracked by this, that, and the other, and it hinders us from obeying God. And I just think that outright rebellion is another factor that's, that's rooted in pride. Outright rebellion. I want to do it my way. The Frank Sinatra syndrome. I did it my way. Rather than I want to do it God's way. Well, look, if you need a God breakthrough, ask him what he wants just want you to write this down. Stop and ask God what he wants from you. Just, would you stop? Would you, would you, after this meeting tonight, would you just go home and spend a little bit of time and do what the little boy Samuel did? Speak, Lord, he says in, in 1 Samuel 3 verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. We're talking about a little five-year-old kid. He was taught by the senior prophet Eli. You're hearing the voice of God? Well, next time you're hearing the voice of God, stop and just say these words. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And I think that so often we're so busy rushing around. We're so busy with this noise and that noise and this voice and that voice that we don't take enough time to stop. Again, learn from my lesson. I was three months in depression until... I stopped and went to the park and said, okay, God, speak, because I want to hear. You know, it wasn't that I wasn't praying for three months. It wasn't that I wasn't worshiping for three months. I just wasn't listening for three months. Do you know, we can come to church and not hear God. You know, we can do all the stuff and not hear God. We can be so busy rushing around that we don't hear God. I remember just there have been other times in my life where I've been so busy doing the work of God that I haven't been listening to the voice of God. I remember a particular time where Anne comes knocking at my door and she says, I've heard from God about a particular matter. And I says, oh, well, that's good. I'm glad that you've heard from God. But this involves both of us. And I said, well, I haven't heard from God. And then she challenged me, but have you stopped to listen to God? I said, well, I can change. So I says, I'll tell you what, for the next month, I will stop and listen to God. It was only a matter of hours when I stopped and actually said, God, I'm listening that I'd heard what she was hearing. And, and, and I think us blokes have a little bit difficulty in that because we are project-minded. We, we sort of get so busy on projects, so busy on, we're going, the, I mean, you've seen this, ladies, with your husband driving. 
He is so focused that we've got kids wetting themselves in the back seat, but he ain't going to stop because he's just overtaken that truck and there's no way he's going to stop for that truck to overtake him again. Hello. How many of you understand that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I love this, the, the, this, this one Simpsons program where Homer is doing that and his father's in the back saying, you've got to stop, Homer. And he says, and then all of a sudden, he says, my kidneys are going to burst. And then, then, then he heard the pop, the kidneys burst. Oh, why did I say that? Let me just... <laughs> oh, man. I just found that very, very funny. Because now when the kids ride with us, I haven't heard the pop yet. You know, we're waiting for that kidney to burst. Okay. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us here. Help us. I was on that very spiritual, everybody goes spiritual on me for a second because we just lost the anointing there with Homer Simpson. But uh, this, this whole thing of just stopping and listening to the voice of God. Can I challenge you tonight? If you forget everything that I've said tonight, I, I, I don't want you to miss this challenge. That when you leave this place tonight, would you just go and say to God, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me? Speak, Lord, for your servant hears speak lord for your servant hears speak lord for your servant hears thanks for listening to this message from the north shore christian center audio lounge we invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au through our website you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in chatswood new south wales as well as accessing other free resource materials 